Fantasy Football Edition of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by our Patreon. Score uh, exclusive perks and content available only to our patrons at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Emerson Beer, and I am happy to be joined by my co-host, Justin Bruni, today. How you doing, my friend? Pretty good, pretty good. Got a lot of sleep last night, you know, with the newborn. I've been not sleeping so much during the week, but uh, the old Saturday to Sunday uh, transition was nice. I got me a nice, healthy uh, 12 hours, so it was pretty solid. Only had to wake up once, and, uh, you know, I had just about as much sleep last night as I had, you know, for the previous three days combined. So pretty solid, feeling great right now. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm glad one of us is. I had a I had a wedding over the weekend. I was a groomsman. Nice. nice. I, I it was a, not a lot of sleep at all the last couple of days running around with some old college buddies and then yeah. I had to get up and Adam to wait on brunch brunch buffet at 9 a.m. this morning. So I I am not feeling perky. That's why I'm still drinking coffee this late. But we are going to get it going today. We are going to be talking about top 24 2023 fantasy football wide receivers. And right off the bat, I like I'm getting fun with it. And I, I we have our two guys. I guess I'll throw them both up there. I have Jamar Chase as my number one fantasy football wide receiver. I love the attachment to Joe Burrow. Every single time he's on the he, every single time he's on the field with Joe Burrow, it seems like he gets ten plus targets. I think we finally see you know he. I think we see him step up to where Justin Jefferson was last year. He's a year behind uh, Justin Jefferson in his development. I think mm-hmm. we see him step up this season. And I have him as my number one 2023 fantasy football wide receiver. Tell the people why you have more consensus Justin Jefferson is yours. I just still feel like the situation is much better for Justin Jefferson. While the Bengals do throw the ball a lot, they're still going to give Joe Mixon his. You still have T. Higgins alongside Jamar Chase. And while Jefferson has, you know, TJ Hawkinson there now, you still have the departure of Dalvin Cook and still a less experienced Jordan Addison to fill in for the Adam Thielen role. The Adam Thielen role is very profitable. I just dropped a YouTube short on his prop, uh, uh, his receiving yards for this upcoming season, absolutely getting discounted, you know, migrating away from Minnesota. So you have to imagine that, you know, JJ can still steal some of those vacated targets away from, uh, from Jordan Addison. I still feel like the offense is a lot better. They're going to pass the ball a lot more. While the Bengals will still look to balance things out, they do not have an amazing offensive line. It's getting a little bit better. But both teams are a you know high expectation value for receivers, right? When you're looking at the one-two punch of Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. So I really don't hate when you go Jam- uh, Jamar Chase here. But for me, 
every time, nine out of 10 times, pretty much, I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson, especially in redraft. We've had this conversation before that, you know, Chase definitely has a little bit more upside appeal to go over JJ in terms of dynasty value, just because, hey, we don't know what's going to happen with T. Higgins. We have to expect that there is the opportunity for him to find greener pastures or, you know, just more green in general, right? Get a nice little payday from around the NFL. He'll definitely be worth it for another team. But going into this season, I still have to feel like Justin Jefferson is still the consensus number one. The only way that I feel he's going to fall from this spot as far as like total yards, touchdown opportunities, total catches, just getting hurt. And I, I'm not betting on injuries. I'm not rooting for injuries. So, And obviously that card can be played for either guy here. So pick your poison. Both guys are going to be absolutely amazing this season. I think that Justin Jefferson just has a tidbit of a higher ceiling given his uh, high-octane passing offense, lack of a consistent run game. You may still see the Vikings go out and maybe signed you know, one of these uh, displaced running backs, maybe a uh, Kareem Hunt, maybe a Zeke Elliott, but none of those additions would move me off of Justin Jefferson over Jamar Chase for this upcoming season. Dynasty, I think Chase has a better argument. Understandable. Coming out, you know, I know we're, we're getting back to college. I, of course, I prefer the talent profile a little bit to Jamar Chase. Of course, he was, one of you know, a phenom wide receiver prospect, slightly better athlete. I like the connection to Joe Burrow. I don't feel like we'll be, and that's my dog scratching her chain right now. But <laughs> if you hear that background, but, and Andrew, of course, hello to everybody in the chat really quick as well. Jamie, my friend, thank you for joining. Andrew calling me out for typing in SGPN GB instead of JB. Thanks, Damn. Andrew. I've had a tough day already. Okay. <laughs> Keeping me on my toes. That's why we like you, Andrew. But I just, yeah, there's just a, the tiniest differences I have for Jamar Chase Joe Burrow, I, I expect to put together an MVP caliber season, whereas Kirk Cousins, he'll be, you know, it'll be a very high value passing offense. But however, you might see Kirk Cousins have those games where he struggles as well. It's minute details, but I do prefer Jamar Chase and I also prefer him in the long run as well. But before we dive into our third ranked fantasy football wide receiver for 2023, I just want to give one more shout out to the Sports Gambling Podcast Patreon. Do your part in the war against corporate gambling and sign up for the SGP Patreon, T tons of exclusive content, contests, and merch just for our patrons, plus a monthly SGP Stories podcast, an ad-free, uncensored show highlighting the best stories from decade decades of being DJs. The Sports Gambling Podcast Patreon is a great way to ex explore exclusive perks and support SGPN. SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash Patreon. That's SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash Patreon. Okay. I, I thought you said it wrong. You, you, you dissed me on the handle? Unreal. I did diss you on the handle. I, I, Unreal. I, I typed in GB. So it didn't connect. Your, yours doesn't have the little, you know, pathway to connect to your account. Profile. So Someone I didn't take their alpha brain today. I, I, I've actually thought about taking that. I, I only get my four or five hours of sleep a night anyway. I could probably use Joe Rogan helping me out. It just flashes in my face all day long. He must be, I, he must be shelling out a lot of money to TikTok for advertisements. But he actually doesn't take any, uh, any money for it. Really? Yeah. Does apparently, it all free. I, apparently, I need to get on this, I guess. But uh, no, I definitely need it. But instead, I'm just going to be chugging my coffee today. Fair enough. Fair enough. Up at number three, uh, we have Tyreek Hill. And that is who I had at number three as well. It's hard to put anybody else here. The man was on pace for 2,000 all-purpose yards last year with Tua at the helm. And like you were saying, we don't like to necessarily project injuries, although, you know, Tua might be that one guy that, you know, we might we might project an injury for. Unfortunately, you know, he's had bad luck throughout his his career, you know, had the hip injury at Alabama, 
concussions throughout the, his NFL career. And, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough to envision 16 games for two, although, you know, it's just it's a head injury, but however, mm-hmm. if Tyreek Hill can get 16 games with this quarterback, I, I mean, wide receiver one is absolutely within his range of outcomes as well. How do you see his 2023 season stacking up? No, I, I absolutely agree with you. The more games that Tua plays, the higher the ceiling is for Tyreek Hill. But I really like the backup now in Mike White. I think that's a big upgrade over your Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson level players. So I think that Hill could actually have a better season, maybe touchdown wise. I think it's going to still still be difficult to go over the top of the yardage that he finished with with uh, with last season. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, even without Tua there, he still has that potential range of outcome to finish as a top one or top two receiver in the league this year. I think it really just comes down to what you get out of those guys and Chase and Jefferson. Um, I think the outlook is very good. I think the team's going to have to pass the ball a lot. They still have not signed Dalvin Cook. I mean, I feel like that that signing probably should have happened. It doesn't sound like the two uh, the two sides are you know really tight uh, or close. I should say on a uh, on an offer. It sounds like Dalvin Cook wasn't impressed with what they had to give him, and I can see that because they invested a draft pick in uh, Devin A. Chain. They still brought back Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, so I have to feel like they like what they have somewhat, and they're willing to go out and give him you know, a friendly contract, but apparently not friendly enough. So I see this team having to pass the ball a lot. They utilize a lot of speed, and it's very tough to you know, overly target Tyree Kill from the defensive side of the ball when he's lining up alongside Jalen Waddle. It's a very good situation for him. It's one of the best receivers he's played with, if you don't consider Travis Kelsey a receiver, right? So a lot of upside for him this this year. Um, only age 29. I still like uh, everything he has to offer. A lot of speed, a lot, lot of explosiveness, and just how they draw him up in the playbook. All these like 40-yard comeback routes, it's very hard to guard that. He's not necessarily trying to break open the field every single play. The chat is talking up the our I believe our next wide receiver here. Yes, it's Cooper mm-hmm. Cup in the next one. So Andrew and Jamie believe Cooper Cup should be the wide receiver three. And the reason mm-hmm. I made The reason I have Tyreek Hill ahead is the uncertainty a little bit. Cooper Cup coming off missing seven weeks. You know, it's not like an ankle, his ankle injury. I, you know, it's like a significant injury that's gonna hamper him mm-hmm. this season, however. You know, just missing time. He had that. He was, you know, he was number one in fantasy points per game last year. However, the offensive line for the Rams, I expect to be a mess. They added a second round interior lineman to it. I don't know how much better it'll be. Matthew Stafford is a huge, huge uncertainty. If I thought we were going to see any kind of resemblance of the 2021 St. Louis, uh, Los Angeles Rams, I would. I actually was really debating between the two. But I just feel a little bit safer with Tyreek Hill. There's a lot working against Cooper Cup here. Tyreek Hill, more of that traditional athlete who, you know, you expect to, you know, he's flying down people downfield. Cooper Cup, a route running technician, that typically ages well, too. I just feel like there's when, when you're picking between two great players, if there's a lot. There's some more red flags with Cooper Cup, and that has me nervous. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I really don't have a significant argument against Cup going at three. What I like better about the Miami Dolphins situation is, one, the play calling and their defense. And two, a win he played last year, he didn't really turn the ball over significantly. Matthew Stafford was absolutely money for an anytime interception last year. He was hurting the team at some point. And so the injury, I, I really wasn't that upset about it when he left, other than the fact that I couldn't cash in on interception props because what he was putting out on the field wasn't really up to you know his level, his level of consistency from years past. So I think just the combination of 
Matthew Stafford being a, another year older. I do like the fact that he doesn't have any competition for targets, but don't be surprised when you're seeing, you know, Tyler Higby getting hyper targeted in the red zone. It's it's tough for me to see Cooper Cup bringing home as many total touchdowns as Tyreek Hill. And I guess that's the tiebreaker, maybe in consideration between Matthew Stafford and Tua. Tua was a little bit more efficient protecting the ball. Stafford was on pace for an interception per game. And had he not been uh, hurt, our, our friend Andrew Robb here in the chat would not have been cashing a uh, uh, most interceptions by Dak, Dak Dakota Prescott last season. So uh, I think uh, he's going to have to take one on the nose for that. <laughs> he's saying besides my boy Puka Nakua, Van Jefferson is okay. Slander. Um, the Van Jefferson slander. He never it, stops. It, it just felt also, you know, Matthew Stafford was hyper-targeting Cooper Cup last season. And, you know, it, you know they weren't – the offense wasn't very good. That but could happen Cooper again. Cup was, I, I'm not I mean, saying that that can happen. I'm just saying it, that it's it, so close that I'll, I'm going to go with Hill for the tiebreaker on touchdowns, you know, explosive play rates, being able to break open the field. You know, Cooper Cup is a technician running routes and with his footwork, but the spill, the the speed, excuse me, of Tyreek Hill is just absolutely undeniable. Like it's that close. Someone's going to take Cup over Hill. Someone's going to take um, uh, Hill over Cup. Whichever one falls to you, you're in a great situation. Yeah, it's just. Man, is the offense if can the offense be, you know, sustainable and be productive if they are going he was 89th in average depth of target last season. He was really relying on a ton of volume. If if that just comes back a little bit down to earth, I think, you know, there's room for him not to quite have that game breaking. Although like I said, number 1 in fantasy points per game last year. Mm -hmm. There's just a story, there's a few more red flags for Cooper Cup that have him down at wide receiver 4 for me. Up next, we have Stefan Diggs, my wide receiver six, your wide receiver five, in position to lead one of the best offenses in the NFL again with Josh Allen. I mean, Stefan Diggs, he's been extremely productive ever since he's been with the Buffalo Bills. Consistent. Maybe not, maybe not in that he's the closest thing to these next couple guys. I think you can almost put him in that Cooper Cup Tyreek Hill tier for me. However, he did struggle a little bit down the stretch last season. Mm -hmm. Towards the end, kind of in the fantasy playoffs, had some duds. So a little bit disgruntled this offseason, too. Do you see him, you know, are we seeing just rinse and repeat Stefan Diggs again right behind these as the wide receiver five for you? Uh, full 17 games played. It's a very tough argument for him to not have at least 150 targets. He's yeah. had at least 150 in three straight seasons. While Josh Allen, oddly enough as it is, he has his numbers have regressed in three straight seasons. But I still feel like because they haven't added anyone of significance to that offense, yeah, I like Gabe Davis. I'm not a big uh, Dalton Schultz guy. I just don't see anyone really competing with him for targets. So as long as he's playing 16, 17 games, he should easily clear 150 targets in an offense that has that's going to score a lot of points and it's going to lead the league in passing attempts. It's a very good situation for Stephon Diggs, also age 29, a lot of experience. His last three years for wide receiver finishes are four, seven, and three. Super consistent, very safe floor. I think when we're looking at these other guys, I see that we, I feel like we see a little bit more explosiveness and a little bit more rely, reliability in either the playbook or the quarterback. Yeah, there, it's hard to argue the volume. And, you know, I know Josh Allen, his passing is maybe a slight regression. I think it's more of like the Patrick Mahomes learning curve. These guys are adjusting he, to playing the two. He high still finishes quarterback two last year, right? But the numbers are coming down. That's that's the only argument that argument that there is against him. The numbers are, are coming down, but still very very good. But also held up by his rushing upside. The efficiency, the accuracy, things like that have dipped a little bit. 
you know, ever since that season high, we had, you know, that extremely high pass uh, completion percentage just a couple of years ago. That's come down a little bit. And I think that was to be expected a little bit. I still think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So you're right. As long as Stefan Diggs is just a clear, bona fide number one option and Gabe Davis is the number two, it's hard to see that. It's hard to see that happening this season. But, you know, as we look forward here, Stefan Diggs is getting a little, he's an old 29 too. Stefan Diggs has been in the league a long time, playing a lot of snaps mm-hmm. too. Eight but years. He, yeah, he has the skill set to age, you know, gracefully into his early 30s, though. So up next, my wide receiver five, who I actually have um, right ahead of Stefan Diggs. And I think it's a similar situation, except it's a younger, extremely talented player. I have C.D. Lamb as my wide receiver five. I was really big on C.D. Lamb last season. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I think we finally saw the C.D. Lamb down the stretch last year that we've been you know, waiting on to see that, you know, why he's been the di- dynasty wide receiver three right behind Stefan Diggs. I mean, not Stefan Diggs, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. You know, we were, I wish I had the stats in front of me here. Uh, you know, I, I looked up, I think he, he, uh, he was top three or top four in uh, fantasy points per game down those last six or seven weeks there. A lot of productive weeks. And I think just like Stefan Diggs, he's going to be the clear number one option for Dak Prescott. Give me the 24, 25-year-old wide receiver heading into his prime. You have him as your wide receiver six, so I assume you feel fairly similar. Yeah, this list is exactly the same as my list right now. JJ, Chase, Hill, Cup, Diggs, and then CeeDee Lamb. Another offense that's going to pass the ball a lot. I just dropped another YouTube short on Dak Prescott. Shout out 50 picks in 50 days on our YouTube channel. Dak Prescott's averaged 287 passing yards per game through his last four seasons. The the offense is passing a lot more. CeeDee Lamb has the athleticism, the size, the youth, the speed, the athleticism. He has everything in his toolbox to be a top five receiver in this league, and I expect him to do so this season. So definitely fire up a lot of him. Obviously, you saw the departure of Zeke Elliott as well. I still think that, again, this team could either bring Zeke back or sign you know, one of these displaced running backs. Again, it's not going to move the line a lot for me. You have Tony Pollard coming back from injury. My bet is that this team just has to pass the ball a lot. Their defense is a little bit better, but they don't have the, the, the players to just run a run-heavy system right now. The offensive line isn't bad. I know you have uh, Zach Martin complaining about some money. I don't expect him to hold out come the actual season. But again, like pretty reliable group and just a team that I feel will have to pass the ball a lot in 2023. Very good situation. I could see him going ahead of uh, Stefan Diggs in just total production this season. I, I think that is, uh, I think there is potential for that. He had 156 targets last year. I think we could climb to 160, maybe 170. And yeah, I shortchanged him a little bit from week 10 to week 18 last year. He was number two in fantasy points per game while Stefan Diggs, I don't, I don't want to count down the list here, but it looks like he's about 15 or 16 on that list. So mm-hmm. CD Lamb was on fire and that stretched out. And I think he's going to continue on that success. I love the talent profile. I always thought he was one of the best wide receivers in the game. You know, the big thing against him, I was seeing a couple of years ago in um, Dynasty. I am. Are you, are you familiar with him on, on Twitter? That? No. Uh, anyway. Sharp analytics guy on Twitter. I was talking about CD Lamb with last year, and he he is actually one of the best minds on Twitter. But he, you know, he was. We were arguing last year a little bit about, you know, he was talking about how CD Lamb didn't have that alpha profile, didn't have that size. But you know, I think we're mm-hmm. seeing that NFL change here. You don't necessarily need to be some giant, imposing DK Metcalf figure to be successful. So CD Lamb, the no. future is very bright, and I think he ends up with a top five wide receiver finish in 2023. 
Before we dive into the rest of the list, though, I just want to tell the listeners about our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. We are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. The NFL season is right around the corner, and Underdog Pick'em is a great way to get down on a ton of NFL player props, and is it available in a ton of markets. Plus, plenty of opportunities to win in their daily MLB contests, and of course, make sure to enter Best Ball Mania 4, where, play, where first place gets $1 million. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And, of course, if you are still listening, if you wouldn't mind giving a like, subscribe rating to YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. Is it, is it $1 million? I thought it was more than that, the grand prize winner this year. I thought they were stepping it up. $3 million, Three million. that's what I thought. That's what I thought. We'll need to change that. It is three is a, million. Is that a bad? Is that a bad read from Emerson, it, or is that a? Uh, no, that a no, typo? that's what it says. That's a typo. That's Unreal. what it says. One million. Bucks. Unreal. So I thought when I when I was reading over it, I just didn't. I didn't want to correct it because I didn't know exactly what it was for certainty. But I, yeah, I knew it was more than one million this year. So that is three million dollars. Fifteen million in total prizes. Yeah. So get on there. I, you're you're the best ball me. I'm a baller on a budget, like I always tell people. Give me those puppies, and I will keep on drafting up next for the seventh ranked wide receiver for 2023 we have aj brown and it feels like we're getting pretty chalky to begin with here it's hard to argue against this is my list buddy you just got my whole list up here (laughs) i gave i since yours is you know i we had a couple minor alter we had some ties in here but i gave i went with consensus so aj brown that's also where I had him too. Actually, no, I have him as my wide receiver eight. I have one guy behind him here that I have ahead of him here. But AJ Brown is, I mean, he I think he exceeded everyone's expectations last year. I think what at least what I thought. I saw Jalen Hurts and I was a little bit nervous. It was a, it's a dual threat quarterback, not a very high passing volume offense, but the offense was so incredibly efficient, it didn't matter. AJ mm-hmm. Brown and Devontae Smith were hyper targeted. And it led to both of them being top 10 fantasy receivers. And Jalen Hurts was the number one quarterback. I think it worked out perfectly for them. It's it's just hard to see that quite happening again. It's just, mm-hmm. I know we already saw it. However, Dallas Goddard was injured, you know, traditionally throughout the last year. We saw Devontae Smith take over a little bit more of that target share down the stretch. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot working against A.J. Brown. The Philadelphia Eagles will once again be one of the more run-heavy offenses in the NFL when you factor in Jalen Hurts, when you factor in Rashad Penny, DeAndre right. Swift. So it's just a lot work. You know, A.J. Brown is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. The Philadelphia Eagles will be one of the best offenses in the NFL. But it's just – it's so there's so much talent in there that it just feels like a top-five wide receiver finishes a little tough ask. What do you think? I don't think so. I mean, he finished as okay. wide receiver six last year on oh, the back yeah, of a – uh, on the back of 145 targets. The great thing about A.J. Brown is he's just an absolute field breaker. You know, his yards per catch last season were at 17. Uh, I believe at his rookie season, he was right at about 20, right at about 20 or so. And that's, you know, with 16 games played. So I think you really the only bet against him, the only downside to him is the potential injury because he just, you know, runs so fast. He runs so hard. He's always trying to make a big play, which he can and will do. That's really the only uh, knock for him is just staying on the field. But even when he has been, you know, a season where he played 13 games, he finishes wide receiver 32, still had five receiving touchdowns and 13.79 yards per catch. That was on the back of 63 receptions. So last year he only had about 88 catches, but nearly 1,500 receiving yards. 
He's a big booming play in fantasy football. You just need him on the field, and that's it. That's it. The obviously the injury to Dallas Goddard that helped a little bit, but as you saw, like you know, it wasn't just like oh Dallas Goddard got hurt, so that made AJ Brown season. We saw that shift to Devontae Smith's upside, right? Like we saw him get a little bit better. We saw him get more targets. So I still feel like there's plenty of room for him to eat in this offense, even with a run-heavy focus. That makes sense. And I just, if I feel like it's got to come somewhere. I mean, not Devontae Smith and him can't be top 10 receivers and Dallas Goddard, you know, be incredibly productive too. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's going to have to come from somewhere, I think. So I think, a, you know, he settles in as a mid-tier wide receiver one as opposed to a top-end wide receiver one. I actually have Devontae Smith dipping out of my uh, top 12 wide receivers this year. Just a little bit of a regression for each of those guys, but still one of the best tandems in the NFL. Over Up under next, 1,250 receiving yards for A.J. Brown this year. Over. Barely. Yeah. Yeah. Barely. But, but but even then, you know, with regression, he's still having a, a super Oh, yeah, know, absolutely. Absolutely. Just yeah. like I said, we're picking, you know, Dissecting hairs here, you know, very, mm-hmm. very minute differences. But if, up if next, I have to guess this next guy, I think I still would potentially take him over AJ Brown if I'm correct. We'll see what you got here. Um, well, the ne- the guy I have at number seven is actually a nine in our consensus rankings here, I believe, where you have him. But up next in our in our consensus is Amon Ross St. Brown, actually. Yep. Um, That's- which which is, you know, I think another great player, another target hog somebody who's going to be in a very productive offense and actually mm-hmm. yeah i can understand why you might take aj brown over him i don't i just prefer the talent profile of aj brown Alvin ross st brown not an explosive athlete by any means more gets it done with volume you know mm-hmm. and, you know being a very uh good route running technician although he trains very hard too which you know we see every off season we got to see during hard knocks last year yeah i mean it's hard to especially with jameson williams missing those first six weeks Jared Goff, I know how you, I like, like I said, I know you love Amon Ross St. Brown because how much you love Jared Goff. I mean, if Jared Goff is going to be as good as you think he is, I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown has to be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL this year. So I know you, you're very high on him. Yeah, Amon Ra would be the next guy I have, and I have him at number eight. So again, my list is like my list is on the board here. That's all. That's all good. So in standard uh, leagues, he finished as wide receiver nine. Obviously, you know that downgrade in. Uh, boom ability, right? Not being a huge downfield threat in comparison to AJ Brown, but has a safer floor for total receptions. He caught 106 out of 146 targets. That's far more efficient than AJ Brown, who I believe caught 88 of 145. So yeah, you you may not get that booming production downfield, but you're getting a safer floor just based on PPR value, right? Just getting those 106 points just based off of PPR. And then the touchdowns, I, I you know, A.J. Brown had about five more touchdowns. I think those numbers can climb this year for Amon Ross St. Brown, and he is a guy that I feel like he's going to have these weeks where he's going to be hyper-targeted, as we like to say. Like, he's going to have, you know, 12-plus catches, 100, 125 receiving yards, especially if they can start building, you know, more downfield play calling for him, which is everything that we're hearing out of training camp right now. I think the emergence of Jameer Gibbs as a pass catching back actually helps him because he can be more of that lower a dot type of receiver. And that can open things up for a Monra downfield. It's I, I mean, it's hard to argue. I think, yeah, the guy's going to be great this season. Although next guy up for me is who I have as my wide receiver seven. And I think that might be too low. Oh, Andrew in the chat. Yes, of course. That, that's what I was. Re- that's another thing I was trying to reference is yes. The man, 
is the dog in the weight room. And of course, yes, uh, we saw during hard knocks him last year, list all the wide receivers that were drafted ahead of him very quickly. He definitely has it embedded in his brain. <laughs> uh, I have Devontae Adams ahead of the last two wide receivers. I have him ahead of A.J. Brown, and I have him ahead of Amon Ross St. Brown. I know we are he's getting a little older and we're downgrading him because we don't really know what we're going to get from the quarterback situation in Oakland. However, I mean, my goodness, the guy went from – I mean, he gets it done no matter what. I mean, he was a very low ADOT player for Aaron Rodgers doing those quick slants and scoring touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And then last season he went all the way up to – I thought he was way higher than that. I guess he was only 39. But anyway, he was number one in air yards, though, but still a much higher A dot than he had with Aaron Rodgers. He was getting targeted more downfield with Derek Carr. And I just think that he's just he's going to get it done no matter what. Jimmy's, of course, is a smart player and he's going to lean on him. However many games we get Jimmy out there and I think he's backup. You know, he was productive even with the backup quarterbacks last year. They know where to throw the ball to. So I think Devontae Adams, he had the most targets he's ever had in his career last year. That might very well happen again, even in even if the Raiders are the worst team in the NFL, which I think they could be in contention for the number one pick. But I still don't think that'll hurt Devontae Adams too much. That's going to be tough. I mean, I, I do expect some regression. 180 targets is a lot to fill up at. 14 receiving touchdowns again, career high. Finished as wide receiver three. I think this is an appropriate place to draft him, though. Like right at the back end of like the top 10 wide receivers. I just have to feel like there's just a little bit less upside with Jimmy Garoppolo throwing him the ball. It's not like the Raiders committed to Jimmy long term. Yeah, they might believe in him this year as a bridge quarterback. Next year's draft class is just stacked with depth, uh, depth, excuse me, at the quarterback position. I feel like they don't necessarily need to be the last team, you know, in the league. I don't think they need to finish in last place. I don't think it's necessarily a Caleb Williams sweepstakes. While they may finish at you know the bottom half of the league, I still feel like Devontae Adams is going to have a very reliable and safe floor. He's finished with at least 1,500 receiving yards in back-to-back seasons. I can easily see him clearing you know 1,300 receiving yards, but being a little bit less efficient, You know, maybe having a few less catches. He finished with 100 last year, was at 15.16 yards per catch. I think that, again, is going to come down a little bit. You could see that at like 12 or 13. Garoppolo is just not a great downfield quarterback. He is great at getting the ball out of his hands quickly. So I do see more of like kind of like an Amon Ra type of role like he had last year where you have a lower A dot, you're being really efficient, you're moving the chains, but maybe you're scoring a few less touchdowns. Maybe a handful of those can go to Josh Jacobs. I think, you know, I think wide receiver seven, I still think that's that, that factors in all that regression that we just talked about. Yeah, and absolutely. That's, I, so that's four th- spots less than last year for sure, yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm a bit I, – I'm going to believe in some of these guys, especially in redraft leagues. I, I'm a big dynasty ages. So, you know, in redraft mm-hmm. leagues, I like to take the young guys in dynasty, then get my exposure on the Devonte Adams, the locked in guys when I'm doing mm-hmm. my redraft league. So, and don't necessarily bet against Jimmy either. I mean, I think boy's yeah. going to look like he did at uh, Eastern Illinois. I mean, he has all the weapons he needs to really be a better passer and put up better numbers this year. I just think with him coming back from injury, obviously the narrative of his career not being efficient, being inaccurate, you know, you have to take these things into consideration as well. But it could very well be his best season yet. Up next, we have a very popular New York Jet wide receiver going to be on hard knocks this season. Garrett mm-hmm. Wilson had over 1,100 receiving yards last year, and that was with Mike White, Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson. I mean, the guy, it's, it's, I'm excited to see what he can do with Aaron Rodgers. I was a big fan coming in last year. I had him as my wide receiver one. I loved the talent profile. I thought he was the best wide receiver on Ohio State, even with Jackson Smith and Jigba. 
And yeah, he, he delivered. He was the number one wide receiver for the Jets last year. And, get, and Aaron Rodgers is already hyping him up, saying he can be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. I expect mm-hmm. him to say that about his new teammate. I don't expect him to dog him out. However, I just think that we're another guy who, you know, there's just no clear wide receiver to on the Jets. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to give us a little juice left. I think he's, you know, although I don't expect him to return to MVP form, I expect this offense to be, you know, one of the more productive offenses in the NFL. They're going to be in some shootouts too. The schedule is very, very difficult. They will either be playing from behind or they will be playing in very competitive matchups, I believe. So they will certainly be throwing the ball a lot. What's your thoughts on Garrett Wilson? Love Garrett Wilson, rookie of the year last year. Obviously, like you said, with bad quarterback play, I think he's going to progress from the numbers that he had last season. And again, you've just got my board up on uh, on the screen here. This is my consensus uh, top 10. He finished as wide receiver 21. Not very efficient, 83 of 147 targets. That number is going to go up. Uh, the receiving yards should go up. I think the touchdowns is what concerns me the most because I do see, you know, Brees Hall coming in at some point, you know, maybe being a bigger threat in the red zone when fully healthy. You could see Garrett Wilson having a better start to the season, but maybe the numbers, you know, they slide down a little bit as the year goes on. And I also feel that Tyler Conklin is going to be a big red zone threat as well. So I, I love Garrett Wilson. I just think that, you know, some of these, you know, lesser names, you know, less popular names are going to be active in this offense. And I still think the team is going to run the ball a little bit more than some of these other squads that we've uh, that we've mentioned. You know, when you look at St. Brown, I feel like the Lions are going to pass more this year with the departure of Jamal Williams. I feel like the Raiders may run the ball a little bit less to shore up, you know, Josh Jacobs. Maybe Josh Jacobs just says, hey, I'm not going in this play to run the ball. Sorry. You know, just not going to do it. I also just see the Raiders being behind more often. The Jets have a very good defense. They may just not need to pass as often. Uh, what I do like is that they're they're in a very competitive division. They're going to need to win games. So I could see, you know, a, a very uh, or a good amount of handful weeks where he has like big spike weeks, but also weeks where, you know, he you know is more of a bust candidate just because I could see some of these other guys coming in and stealing some high value touches. Wilson, yeah, somebody who I, who might be priced more toward his ceiling, but somebody, you know, you could do worse betting on young, you know, very productive mm-hmm. wide receivers already succeeding. So I, I like uh, Garrett Wilson a lot there. I actually do have our next wide receiver ahead of him, though. I have DK Metcalf as my as a top 10 fantasy wide receiver in 2023. Despite the it. addition. I love it. Yep, despite the addition of Jackson Smith to Jigba, I think this is going to be one of the best offenses in the NFL. We saw him kind of taking the reins finally from Tyler Lockett in the second half of last season, I believe. I wish I had the stats from him. I believe it was 141 to 117 down the stretch there those last final eight or nine weeks. DK Metcalf had a 25%. You know, his his target share was very high. The difference was Mm -hmm. last season, the touchdown regression, and we saw his um, average depth of target really um, decrease. However, Geno Smith, when you look across all those advanced metrics, he was extremely accurate downfield passer, and he was mm-hmm. number eight in deep ball throws. So I believe we see that connect this season. I think DK Metcalf connecting on some downfield plays, which I expect this year, is going to make up maybe from some of that volume he could lose because the offense has a lot of great players on it, of course. Mm-hmm. But I still think special connection with Geno Smith. Geno Smith, there's nothing really to look – when you're looking at the stats last year, it, it suggests he was a top-five quarterback last year so i i don't expect that necessarily again but one of the best offenses in the nfl and i think dk metcalf finally delivers that top 10 wide receiver finish 
He's the best player in the Seattle offense, and the offense got a lot better. I don't see him regressing significantly. He had 140-plus targets last year in the two years prior. I think it was almost exactly on the nose, 129 and 129 the two previous seasons. So even if he goes down to numbers like that, those years he had double-digit receiving touchdowns. Pete, Car Pete Carroll, very familiar with him. He's going to use him a lot. I feel like the Jackson Smith and Jigba edition is more of a loss for Tyler Lockett, who's a little bit older, a little bit less athletic, and a little bit less explosive. He does make up for it with his high IQ, his great footwork, and his just ability to get open. But I think that Jackson Smith and Njigba eats from his bowl, not necessarily DK Metcalf's. You could have, you could have been with that description you gave of Tyler Lockett. You could have gave him for either Jackson Smith and Njigba or Tyler Lockett. So I believe you're right. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is set up to play at the Tyler Lockett to DK Metcalf mm -hmm. in the future here. But I think DK Metcalf, while Jack Smith and Jigba is getting his feet wet, I think there'll be opportunity for a very high wide receiver finish. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, wh who would you rather have on your on your team, DK Metcalf or Kenneth Walker? Not at not at like ADP value or anything like that. Just who would you rather have on your fantasy roster? Now, DK. I mean, I'm very high on Kenneth Walker, but DK Metcalf. Sure. That's why I ask because I, I know that you're you're a big Kenneth Walker fan, but mm -hmm. still, he's the best player in the offense, and the offense got incredibly better this offseason. Geno Smith was impeccably efficient last year. I see things moving forward in a very positive fashion for them. They actually scored the ninth most points per game last year. The Seattle Seahawks, crazy. And I, also, I, ju just for note, DK Metcalf going as wide receiver seventeen per oh, Fantasy Pros. Yeah, you bums, absolutely. You make me sick. No, he's been one of my most drafted wide receivers on underdog. I'm very excited about him. Same. Up next is a guy I'm actually a little bit lower on. I have as my wide receiver 16, but and he is a fantasy football darling for sure. That is T. Higgins. He's in Man. a great situation. 12 for 12. I, <laughs> I, like I said, I don't know if this is exactly averaged out our rankings exactly. But anyway, I, I, I'm talking. You're, I'll give my rankings. I didn't do it. But T. Higgins, wide receiver 16 for me. He, I just, when I see Jamar Chase out there, he is the clear number one target. Him and Joe Burrow have that special connection. We have yet to see T. Higgins have, I believe, has he not finished? I don't think he's finished as a top 20. Has he not finished as a top 20 receiver 18, yet? 18, 24, year? 28 the last okay. three seasons. He, he slid right in there. It's, some of it's been injuries, but it just, it doesn't seem like he gets it every single week. And I know, I expect Joe Burrow to be fantastic this year. but And I expect T. Higgins to have his best fantasy performance to date. There's just some more players who aren't playing with a Jamar Chase or something like that, who I like a bit mm -hmm. more, you know, I like Jalen Waddle and players like that. Just a tad bit, I'm a little bit higher on. Speaking of, wait a minute. That's what I was wondering. Where, where, where is Jalen Waddle? Speaking of, did our, did our rankings take, take him out? Where's he at? Doesn't look like he's, uh, he's made our list here. Where is he at? I, he has to be on here somewhere. That would be a gross oversight. I have him as my wide receiver 13 on the input. I'm looking down. Did you I think not? I may put, have forgotten him. You I forgot him. Forgotten That's him. what made a drop. Okay, yeah. that, that we'll have, so we'll have one, of, one of my back end guys should not be on there. We'll have we'll have to make that omission. We'll we'll throw him right next to T Higgins here. I was looking. That's what I was just thinking. I was like, wait a minute. Why hasn't Jalen Waddle popped up? I, 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 the market has him at about wide receiver eleven. I would have yeah. him between like twelve and fourteen. So I'll I'll throw him Jalen Waddle in there. I have him slightly ahead of T. Higgins. I just think we've seen a guy who I believe Jalen Waddle's number 12 in receiving yards all time mm -hmm. for between like his rookie and sophomore season. Yeah, you just don't see that very often. He's playing with Tyreek Hill. He he was a 
very low a dot like target hog as a rookie and then he got it Doubled done completely it and then completely just like now he's a downfield threat last year the bottom line is he can get it done no matter what he's a great wide receiver you know not like just the burner that was attributed to him being coming out of college mm-hmm. so i'd like someone like jalen waddle but it, but t, going back to t higgins somebody who's just not that quite you know may, maybe has a more limited target share kind of like a jalen waddle but doesn't have that game breaking speed doesn't have that home run ability that jalen waddle has so that would be my list what are your thoughts on those two yeah i mean like i t higgins is right where i have him in the rankings obviously now i've uh, i've muffed it up you know after the 12 for 12 there leaving waddle off the list but <laughs> the, the only reason i downgrade waddle a little bit from the market <clears throat> is that Pretty much what you just said. They're like they're polarizing seasons. You have a low A dot season, very efficient efficient yards per catch, and then the next season Tyree Kill shows up and he he doubles it. He goes from nine yards per catch to eighteen. I'm just not sure what to expect in year three. Is it going to be the same as year two? Are they going to change things up a bit and get him you know more more involved in the offense? Because you saw some bust worthy weeks out of him with Tyree Kill you know leading the way, and then the injury to Tua. If Tua gets hurt, I feel like Waddle is in bigger trouble than Tyree Kill is. Tyreek Hill is a little more, you know, unbustable, if you will, right? Like he he can avoid those those down weeks without a, an elite uh, QB just based on his speed and his skill set. Waddle, I think, is a little bit more, you know, in trouble in the, in those situations. So yeah, he finished much higher than Higgins his first two seasons, wide receiver thirteen and wide receiver eight. But again, if you're you know all in on the Bengals offense, I think you have to be putting Higgins into this type of ranking and in consideration if they're going to be as good as they are to make Jamar Chase the number one receiver. Uh, J- Jalen Waddle had so many down weeks last year. Imagine this if Tua played all those games. I think yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we I mean Jalen Waddle. If Tua played all the games last year, we might be talking about Jalen Waddle being a top five dynasty wide receiver. I think, per, you know, personally, if, you know, he could, if he might have yeah. been a 15, 1600 yard guy, and we're talking about him as being in that CeeDee Lamb, AJ Brown mm-hmm. territory. In weeks 13 and 14, he recorded three catches in total. Yeah. It's not so, good. That's, that, he, that's an important time to be scoring points, by the way. You know, trying to make the playoffs, being in the playoffs, fantasy, it's a big deal. Absolutely. And he had a couple truck drops down the stretch, I believe, in the fantasy oh, yeah. playoffs, too. But um, so the, the two weeks after that, yeah. 20 and 25 fantasy points i'm not not going into the stats but just like booming production like it's a little more consistent we're talking about top five fantasy receiver up next in our rankings here do, do, do let me pull this up i believe yes chris olave is our next next guy up back and on I, track <laughs> right back on track chris olave almost you know, didn't quite kind of faded just a little bit down. Had a very strong start to the year. Didn't quite have the finish Garrett Wilson had. So that's why he doesn't, mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, that's why Garrett Wilson is kind of been consistently ranked ahead of him. However, if you look at a lot of the advanced metrics, it suggests Chris Olave might have even had a better season. Uh, Derek Carr is the new quarterback. I don't know if I, it's an upgrade for consistency's sake. However, mm-hmm. I, it's not like a major, I think, groundbreaking upgrade for him. Derek Carr is capable of getting him the ball, certainly. However, there's still going to be Alvin Kamara, who I'm not for sure. I'm not. I'm, I'm not 100 certain he'll be be suspended. We'll, we'll find out. I, I don't ever like to count on the NFL doing the right thing. So, uh, Alvin Kamara, I've been talking about him going as a value still an underdog. I'm fine drafting as the RB30. But anyway, thousand percent, thousand percent correct. Chris Olave, gonna have, you know, not too much target competition either. I just don't know. It's just I'm not very excited about the New Orleans offense. However, if if Derek Carr can fo- focus, you know. A lot of his passing volume on Chris Olave, I certainly see where he's going to be successful. What's your thoughts on Chris Olave? 
I think this is an appropriate place to rank him. I think I only had him one spot ahead, but take into consideration, I forgot Waddle off my list. So I think this is a great, great fit for our rankings combined here. Uh, we're at, was that 14? Yes. Yeah, I, I feel really good about that. And I really don't hate you if you go Alave over Higgins. Uh, he's going ahead of Metcalf per the market. So I don't, I don't love that just because I think that the Seattle offense is going to be um, more, a little bit more efficient. Derek Carr has stalled at times, but I trust him to bring home uh, good numbers this year. Underdog has his passing total on touchdowns at 23 and a half. I'm absolutely smashing that over. Pete Carmichael's spread offense has had a QB hit that number in nine out of his last 11 seasons. I think he's going to unlock Carr to a degree. And yeah, you may still see Kamara miss a handful of games or less. Either way, those weeks, he should be included more. And he's just as good from a skill set standpoint as Garrett Wilson, who we have about four spots ahead. It really is just going to come down to the offense and how they're going to play call and draw him up. Are they going to give him heavy volume? You also forgot to mention one of our darlings, Michael Thomas, also going at immense value on underdog, underdog as well. Excuse me. If he's healthy for the full season, you might see a little bit more of a, a timeshare there as far as production and and splits and things like that. But I still feel like both help each other out, right? Like no, neither are sorry, no defense can you know over target, um, you know, stopping either of them. So I think it's a good situation for Alave. I like him in year two, and I do believe he's going to progress on his numbers in general. Uh, what, what do we have it? Uh, I just literally xed out his name. Do you know what his uh, wide receiver finish was last year? His wide receiver finished last season. Give me two seconds. I, 25. If I had 70, to get was 72 of 119, only four receiving touchdowns. Numbers yeah. are going up. Numbers are going up. Michael Thomas did have the number two dominator rating in the NFL last season in his limited time, which is a player profiler stat that kind of factors in how big of a wide receiver is part of the offense. So Michael Thomas mm -hmm. is certainly a threat still. Up next in our rankings is Devontae Smith. And that's, this feels about right for him to one of the best route technicians in the NFL, not even a, not even a great athlete burner or anything like that. He just gets it done. And he, despite that, he is five yards. It feels like away from cornerbacks every time he gets the ball. One of the best offenses in the NFL. I just think he's playing with a lot of guys. He's, he's not that typical alpha build or anything like that. He's got to get it done a little bit different ways. He's just, there's a lot. There's some things working against Devontae Smith that I think he's going to drop. Even though I, he's one of the best players in the NFL, I expect his fantasy ranking just to drop a little bit this season. Sorry, who do you have up? Uh, Devontae Smith, sorry. Yeah, I had him at about 15, so this is uh, pretty appropriate. I mean, when he's getting the targets, he's producing. It's, it's just that simple. Um, obviously, he needed Dallas Goddard to get hurt. Still finished as wide receiver nine last year. I have him at about 15, so obviously a little bit of regression built into that. But I don't expect him to go much farther. This team just scores a ton of points. He's going to be involved. Had 111.96 receiving yards last year. Double-digit uh, receiving yards per catch, 12.59. Actually dipped down a little bit from his rookie season when he was their guy. So they like him in this offense. I think he's going to get a lot of usability. And if you see A.J. Brown miss any significant time, you're going to see Devontae Smith get unlocked. We've seen Brown miss time a few seasons, 13 and 14 games played before this last season where he played 100% of the games. Even if he was to miss two games, that would be huge for Devontae Smith's value. A little bit of smaller size and statute, but I still believe that he is going to be um, you know, a top 15 wide receiver this year. It's really just based on the offense scoring a lot of points. 
Yes, I, I expect you know I expect the Philadelphia Eagles to be extremely productive. It just might be hard to, for all these players to reach their lofty fantasy expectations. Next in our player rankings is Amari Cooper, and I, I'm in lockstep with you. I think we're going to see it one at least one more great season of Amari Cooper because mainly because he is tied to Deshaun Watson, who I also expect to have a bounce back season. Top five fantasy quarterback three years in a row. Of course, we all know about the off season. You know the off the field stuff. And I feel like that's driving down his fantasy value. You know, I, I don't begrudge anyone who does not want Deshaun Watson on their fantasy team. However, speaking just from the numbers standpoint, he was, didn't play for two years almost. And then he came back for six games, had two games that were absolutely horrible weather, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that would crater anyone's fantasy value was rushing about six, seven times a game. We saw that rushing. I saw, you know, that pocket movement that he had. So I think Deshaun Watson bounces back behind a strong offensive line, a good group of skill position players, Nick Chubb to take some of the um, defenders, put them in the box a little bit. So I like Deshaun Watson a lot this season. So therefore, I also like Amari Cooper to have a very productive season too. And I think he's a strong wide receiver too candidate. Yeah, for him to finish at this ranking or above it, we obviously need Watson to be reliable this year. I don't think it's without question, but I do obviously have my concerns with his time away. But in general, the offense is built more so to pass the ball downfield now. You added Elijah Moore. I like Donovan Peoples-Jones. And as long as Amari Cooper is healthy, he should live up to this ranking, if not finish a little bit better than it. I actually did have him ahead of Devontae Smith because Amari Cooper is the number one on his team. I could see him, his high range of outcomes, finishing ahead of Devonta Smith and Chris Olave potentially. But again, we need Deshaun Watson to kind of get back to the norm that we know of him and, you know, deliver the ball downfield because Deshaun Watson also, you know, pretty decent runner, right? When things, you know, go awry behind the line of scrimmage, he's taking off and, you know, he's, you know, using his legs to gain yards and fantasy points, et cetera. That obviously won't help Amari Cooper, but it will keep the team on the field. So we need Deshaun Watson to, you know, come back down to some norm normative version of himself i think that can happen but i don't know if he's necessarily hitting the same type of ceiling he was you know when he was 100 healthy and playing all games for the texans i think we're we're he's going to kind of middle the production that he's had from the past okay i i know that these rankings i know that when i tried to use chat gpt to like average out our rankings and, and give us like consensus mm-hmm. i know they preferred yours because i have d i have dj Moore as 22 but he comes yeah, up in our consensus. No, I can't. I can't do it. The market is way down on him too. There's just so much disrespect to DJ Moore. They have him at 18. I have him at what? Six. Are you? Are, are you? Are you biased though? <laughs> no, I love DJ Moore. I, I DJ Moore is a guy that I try to draft every single year in fantasy. Like I, he's asking, always at a great a, value. Are you a biased Bears fan? I'm, that's what I'm no, asking. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like I said, DJ's just been fantastic. The Bears has know he? what they're doing. They. Has yes. He? Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? Wide receiver 24, wide receiver 18, wide receiver 23. With CMC on his team. Come on now, man. 24, 18, 23. I I understand. Is this a dream landing spot in Chicago? I don't don't know. It's certainly better not having CMC there, just knob gobbling touches. I mean, I can't get like, it's not like there was a great like passer in Carolina, but obviously, you know, I don't think he went, you know, he went to another offense with passing concerns. So I understand why he's where he's at. 14 um, yards per catch last season. They weren't they weren't very good last year at quarterback. I mean, he had a bad start to last year and very inefficient. 63 of 118, but the Panthers were absolutely terrible. 
I mean, he didn't he he scored that what that game tying touchdown with PJ Walker as his quarterback, like you know, the 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 one that like absolutely blew up his fantasy value. He actually had a career high in touchdowns. He had seven receiving touchdowns last year. I love DJ Moore. I love the talent. People may be down on the landing spot because they think the Bears are going to run the ball a ton. They have the depth to do it, but they brought him in to be their number one and to move the ball downfield. He is going to be used a lot. And as far as like hyper target type of conversation comes into terms, he could be that guy. Absolutely. I expect him to progress immensely from the numbers last year, easily clear, you know, wide receiver two territory, which what he finished as wide receiver 24 last year. I have him at, uh, wide receiver 16, eight spots, being on a team that's going to score more points, pass for more touchdowns, absolutely. All right. Big DJ Moore fan. I, I'm I'm in fairly I, – I don't feel like I'm down on DJ Moore. I just have – you know, there's a couple guys I'm not having to count on a 30% plus target share with Justin Fields, although I do think if we're talking about potential outcomes, I think, you know, DJ Moore has definitely one of the highest ceilings in this area. Or certain. Next up in these rankings is Jerry Judy, somebody I'm very high on. I actually, I've have dropped him down a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. so I have him as wide receiver twenty, but we are fairly similar here. You have him as the wide receiver seventeen, I think. Um, Jerry Judy, I like. I've, I've always, I keep hammering down these stats. He was number uh, wide receiver eleven in fantasy points per game since week seven. Had very productive with. Russell Wilson down the stretch took over as the wide receiver one in that offense. Mm-hmm. I expect that to continue this year. Elite talent profile coming out of college just has not had very good quarterback play the first few years in the league, struggled with injuries. However, Sean Payton, new offense, Russell Wilson dialing it hopefully a little back this year. If we can see Russell Wilson get back to his little bit former glory, I think Jerry Judy is also, once again, a very strong wide receiver too in fantasy football. Yeah, a thousand percent. I don't know if I want to necessarily call him the number one in that offense when Cortland Sutton is healthy. However, I feel like he can bring home wide receiver one potential for sure, especially within the Sean Payton offense. It's going to draw him up in space, leverage his skill set, which Sean Payton has done in the past. Well, this is a very similar conversation to DJ Moore. He finished as wide receiver 22. I have him up at 17. DJ Moore at 24. I have him up at 16. So both of these guys, based off of what they can do after they catch the ball, I think you and I are really high on. And to me, it's really just going to depend on how many touchdowns they can bring home. And I think with you know the progression and the new offenses that they're going to be in, at least you know playbook-wise, I think that both of those guys can secure anywhere from seven to nine receiving touchdowns if things go right. Jerry Judy, what if I told you before last season he had outscored Cortland Sutton when they were together every time but one time they were on the field, and it was like nine out of ten times. It's it's a new playbook. It's a new ball game with Sean Payton at the helm. I still think that Cortland Sutton can bring home the best production from this receiver group in this new offense, but I, I feel that they're both going to be pretty close. I, I don't think that there's a clear and ahead you know, winner between the two. You have you're higher on Jerry Judy than I am. Remember, you have him higher in the rankings than I do. But I, I feel yeah, like no, I'm, the I, one. I'm drafting Jerry Judy ahead of Cortland Sutton. I'm, I don't need to move Cortland Sutton up to this territory. No. But if Cortland Sutton is healthy somehow for all 17 games, I think that both of their production can be pretty similar. Cortland Sutton just not a player who's got seen, he's gotten it done so far in his career. And he's already kind of in his late 20s. I prefer Jerry Judy, but Cortland Sutton I think is a nice uh, dart throw certainly in wide receiver four territory where he is floating. 
Up next in these rankings is Terry McLaurin. I have him a little bit lower, but I just it's it's hard to get me excited about this Commanders offense. Maybe that's it. It I, Andrew's gonna if he's still checked in here, he's gonna get mad at me. He finished but, his wide receiver fourteen with nobody last year with Carson yeah, Wentz. And I know that, that's Heineke. why. That's why I have. It just feels like maybe I'm too low. It's just. It just, you know, there's Josh Dotson, there's Curtis Samuel. What are we going to get with Eric Bannon? I think, yeah, the offense could be better. I Hopefully this is what Terry McLaurin needs to break this game. But I just don't think it's Sam Howell is going to be the one to get it done. I think this could be a little bit of a mess under center. You know, you know, maybe we're talking about weeks where the offense throws for less than 150, 200 yards a game. And I think that could oh, happen no. No, no, plenty no, no, throughout no, no, no. the year. I don't, don't think he, that's why they brought Eric Bieniemy, and so that they could just pound and ground the ball. I think you're going to see a lot of lot more downfield passing for sure. Terry McLaurin, like I said, finished at wide receiver 14 last year. I have him technically regressing. I still think this offense is going to be fantastic, and honestly, I would think, be okay taking him ahead of this this ranking. Eric Bieniemy is going to do amazing things for the playbook, and people always say like, "Oh, Eric Bieniemy, this offense—they do amazing things with a tight end position." I think Bieniemy just knows how to leverage his best assets. Terry McLaurin's the best player in this offense. Period. You can't convince me otherwise. And I think that he is going to get him the ball 150, 160 plus times this season. I think it will be Terry McLaurin's best season. And I still have the ranking behind all these other guys. Um, I think. I, I'm not saying Eric Bieniemy is not a very good play caller. I, you know, I tend to not usually, you know, I, I'm a Chiefs fan. I'm, I'm very, very grateful for what he's done. But the Chiefs, the last couple of years have not made him a priority. You know, they've, they've, you know, they haven't been trying to convince him to stay at the same position that he took for the offense. Now I know that he wants to try to be a head coach. He's trying to get out from the shadow of Andy Reid. Mm -hmm. But he's. he's I, I don't want to get into a whole thing about where I don't think Eric Bieniemy is going to be like bring a whole new offense to the commanders. I tend more just want to focus on why I don't believe Sam Howell is going to be an elite quarterback. So I don't think this offense is going to be fantastic. Maybe that's where the disconnect comes from a little bit. I think Terry McLaurin is going to be a little bit boomer bust like he has been. I think this offense is going to show out at some games. You'll see Eric Bieniemy's creative play calling highlighted, and then there'll be some other games. They face a slightly tougher defense and then just, Sam Howell gets clamped down because I don't think he's an extremely good quarterback. They get the Cardinals week one. Give me Terry McLaurin, two touchdowns. <laughs> I like it. Uh, up next after Terry McLaurin is Deontay Johnson. I, you know, we can probably be pretty quick here. We love Deontay Johnson here. It seems like I, I don't know why he's still so low, but Deontay Johnson was number six in targets last year, number five in targets over the last three seasons. I, yeah, I think he's set up. I think this offense is, I like this offense to rebound too. I think mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of tools to work with. Kenny Pickett, it was about as bad as it can get last year. Kenny Pickett's going to have that touchdown uh, progression. There's going to have to be some touchdown progression in the Pittsburgh offense. Deontay mm -hmm. Johnson isn't going to go for zero touchdowns again. So I think Deontay Johnson's a great value. Absolutely. At least 140 plus targets in three straight seasons. There's really not much to talk about here. Like you said, the market is just underwater on him. It's absolutely ridiculous having him in wide receiver 30 plus range. Fantasy Pros has him as wide receiver 34. It's just an absolute overreaction to an inefficient season last year. The market has his uh, passing or passing receiving yard total, excuse me, at 875 yards. Again, he's hit that in three straight seasons. It's, it's an absolute joke. Next on our list is Keenan Allen. And I feel like, you know, it's just, it's hard. This is a really player, you know, we're, we're, we're judging based on information that we don't have, you know, mm -hmm. what, how is Keenan Allen, how, you know, he's older, 
was coming off a significant hamstring injury that hampered him all last season. You know, it's just how much it's hard to know what how much juice these players have left until we see it on the field. So I feel like this ranking is a little bit of a hedge. We're, we're thinking Keenan Allen does not get back to his previous form. But if he does, this is an extreme value. If he's once again the top target for Justin Herbert and he hasn't lost a step and manages to stay healthy, we're talking about a guy who's probably going to be a top 12 fantasy receiver, you know, who yep. or certainly has that within his range of outcomes. So I, I, once again, you know, this is the type of player who I completely avoid in dynasty leagues, but I make up for it by drafting him heavily in redraft leagues. I really like the value. He's just hurt last year. That's it. Yeah. That's as simple as it is. He was hurt. So I'm just going to go through his game log really quick, his fantasy point total. When he came back and he was 100% healthy, 12, 15, 20, 21, 16, 21, 11, and 30 to cap off week 18. He, had, he scored two touchdowns in week 18. When Keenan Allen is healthy, he is an absolute asset. I do have him behind a couple of guys like Christian Kirk and Debo Samuel, but if Keenan Allen comes back to his full health, if he's available for all 17 games this year, he is an absolute steal at his ADP. I'm not overreacting to last season, but again, with another year older, kind of being banged up consistently. And we also just saw some, um, or we saw the Chargers being timid about bringing him back. Like they brought him back week seven. He wasn't ready. He only had three fantasy points that week. He re-injured or um, aggravated his injury and then was out for another two weeks after the bye week. Because week seven was the week before their week eight bye. He came back wasn't good enough, and then he missed weeks 9 and 10. But down the stretch, he was an absolute stud. He scored four touchdowns, and I want to say that's about eight games or so there, or last seven games. So when he's on the field, he's reliable. This team's going to pass the ball a lot. That's how the offense is built. Justin Herbert also going to be healthier, recovering from that rib injury. So I think there's a lot of high trust with Keenan Allen at his ADP for certain. Next on our list is Chris Godwin. Nice. I mean, he was he was a target nice. machine once again last year. As soon as he was healthy, he was a little bit hampered coming back from that ACL injury in 2021. Took right. a few weeks to get going, re-injured himself, missed some time. However, every time he was out there with Brady, he was getting 10 plus targets. You know, it's just what's the the situation? You know, if he's just a target volume guy, what's that going to be in a Baker Mayfield offense? You know, it could end up being kind of like Deontay Johnson was last year. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. a scoreless bunch of targets, just a mean, meaningless targets. You know what I mean? Low A dot. And that's my concern about Chris Godwin. I still, you know, I think he, you know, he's a very, very good wide receiver. I think he's a better wide receiver than this ranking suggests. It's just a tough situation for him. I absolutely agree. He's way better than this ranking, but the outlook on the Buccaneers is not great right now. I still think that this team could make a move for like a Carson Wentz. He's been training in Tampa Bay uh, with John Gruden on the field, off the field, you know, going through the route, going through passing drills, going through, going through the tape and stuff like that. But it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. I mean, apparently, dude uh, murdered a black bear in the wild. I didn't catch on to this until just like a couple of days ago. Uh, then he like posted it on Twitter or something or whatever they're calling that app now, the X, uh, the X app. So I don't absolutely love Godwin, but I feel it at his ADP right now, he's a huge value. And he could be like Deontay Johnson this season. He may not score any touchdowns, right? Deontay Johnson been pretty reliable, but you could see a season where Godwin comes down and doesn't, you know, return any sort of uh, any sort of touchdown value. He only had three last year, or was it two last year? I think it was. I think it was two last season. Regardless, yeah. he could be a target hog. But what do you get out of that? You're going to get low A dot. You're not going to get a high yard per catch. But at the same time, when you're getting him on your roster as your wide receiver three potentially, maybe even your wide receiver four in the right draft, I think that's an immense value. Can't say no to it. 
X Heat Lifer X is checking in. He's asking a question, and he is at the 12th spot in a draft. He's asking uh, Saquon Barkley, C.D. Lamb, Jonathan Taylor, Taylor, players that he typically sees there, and he's asking if he should reach and maybe consider a player like Garrett Wilson and Tony Pollard. I don't I, hate the. Go ahead. I don't hate the Tony Pollard pick. However, I, I'd, I'd have Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor ahead of Tony Pollard. I, mm-hmm. but I do not agree. I, I'm very high on C.D. Lamb. Like I was uh, uh, talking about earlier in the show, I think this is yep. the. I think he is going to be right behind. You know, me, I, I was going to say right behind Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. I have Tyreek Hill and Cooper Cup maybe right there, but C.D. Lamb is going to be right on that tier, right on that cusp, and I think he might be able to break forward this season. He's one. He, you know, if I was pick, like, listing a player outside those four big names to finish with two thousand mm-hmm. yards, C.D. Lamb is my pick there. I'm very high on him, and that would be, you know, if it's a typical like underdog style draft, I, I, I don't mind going C.D. Lamb there because the running backs fall. Although this year, I, I don't also don't hate going running back with everybody going so against running back this year. I don't hate mm-hmm. getting a, a guy who I think is the RB three in 2023 this year, Jonathan Taylor. I don't hate him getting there at the 12th pick or Saquon Barkley. You know, obviously you're playing a risk. Maybe he, you know, maybe I would not go Saquon Barkley just because of what the situation we're at with the running backs. But I like Jonathan Taylor and CeeDee Lamb a lot. I have no argument for going Garrett Wilson and CeeDee Lamb. I think that both of those guys have potential to be uh, both wide receiver ones. And I think that you are getting a little bit more risky with uh, Barkley, given his situation right now. I'm on the narrative that he is going to play every game this year. But at the same time, just given the disgruntledness, Maybe we see a little bit less usage. Maybe they try to start getting some of these backups ready because he may not be a New York Giant after this season. It doesn't sound like the two sides are close. Uh, It's a redraft league, which I have Mahomes in the fifth. Wow, nice, 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 nice. Like that a lot. Yeah, I really like Wilson and CeeDee Lamb at that turn. I have no problem with that. I'm more confident that they're going to finish as wide receiver ones where Tony Pollard coming back from injury – Barkley's situation is really uncertain. And then touching on JT a little bit, I just feel like if Anthony Richardson is hitting his high range of outcomes, I feel like there could be a little bit less for Jonathan Taylor to eat in the red zone. But that also means if Anthony Anthony Richardson is playing the majority of games, Jonathan Taylor has a much active role in between the 20s. So I, I really think it's just fine to go with those receivers. I would mix in JT there with one of those two uh, receivers. All right. Wide receiver 22, DeAndre Hopkins. And, you know, I, I think that was to be expected once he signed. I, I think I'm going to credit mm-hmm. – it was Josh Larkey. Yeah, it was Josh Larkey who, uh, you know, he he was the one who was credit. Like, it was just like he was on pace for over 1,400 yards with Kyler Murray last year. He missed right. the first six weeks. Kyler Murray was out by week 11, I think. So he only got to play five or six weeks with Kyler Murray, but he was fantastic when he was out there. It does tell me a little bit that NFL teams – didn't want to sign him for a lot. I think that tells me the NFL teams don't think he has, uh, you know, he doesn't have that speed anymore. I think so. There's certainly, I'm expecting, you know, I think this factors in. I think this is perfect. I think wide receiver 22, low end wide receiver two numbers yeah. for the offense where I think he'll probably be a dominant, the dominant target. Unfortunately for Traylon Burks, I think DeAndre Hopkins could be the dominant target in this offense. I think it's kind of milled between the two. Um, I think he's going to lead the team in receiving production, but I think that we would be naive to think that this team still isn't a run first team because I feel like the addition of DeAndre Hopkins helps Derrick Henry more than it helps Hopkins, right? And you can't load the box on Hopkins or on, uh, excuse me, on Henry with Burks, 
with Hopkins, with Chig there. I know that Burks and Chig, a little bit underwhelming names in the fantasy community, but nonetheless, I think that the combination of those two with Hopkins creates a much better scenario for Henry this year. Like it's going to be a lot tougher to, to load that box, like I said. So it's really hard for me to not take Hopkins in the top 24. So I think that 22 is a very appropriate ranking. It's really just going to come down to Ryan Tannehill and what we're going to get out of him. If he's inefficient, if the team isn't winning games, you could see a situation where Hopkins has less value down the stretch of the season if they're ruled out of playoff contention and they need to try out Will Levis at QB. That's my only concern. So again, this is a very appropriate spot for him. Next is the guy who I did not have in my top 24. That is, do, 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 actually, uh, yeah, Debo Samuel. Okay, Debo Samuel is the next player up. I did not have Debo Samuel listed. Interesting. I just, I, I just don't think I don't think he's that much better than Ayuk. I, I, I have them almost back to back, and I'm, I'm, I'm very close to ranking Ayuk ahead. I think he's, you know, just a better pure wide receiver, and just is Debo Samuel going to get the designed plays with Christian McCaffrey? You know, he Christian McCaffrey is going to command such a large role in the offense. Is there mm-hmm. going to be plays designed with Debo Samuel getting him a screen pass and open space and watching him run? I just think that that a lot of that role goes to Christian McCaffrey now. So I think the addition of Christian McCaffrey last season really did hurt Debo Samuel, and I expect that to continue. Mm-hmm. So. I'm just a little bit more down on him, but I'm not that much further down. He needs to be, I think, just a couple spots lower, but just didn't pop up in my top 24. Yeah, I have him at, I believe, wide receiver 23. He's going at 16 per the market. So we're both lower on, you know, what the market has him going at. I'm not drafting him at his ADP um, in redraft and best ball formats or anything like that. I'll get him at value for sure. But the 49ers, they just score points, you know. So this is another one of those situations where it's just a vacuum for scoring opportunities. And I think that he can be a guy that can eat those up. If Brock Purdy isn't ready to go, then I would be even more uh, ready to draft Debo Samuel, you know, again, a few spots after ADP. But I'd be more inclined to attack him. But my belief is that Purdy is going to still play the majority of games this season. So that's why I have him well behind the the market value. Uh, It's tough for me to not take him, though, like, eight spots after ADP per his ranking. Like I feel like I, I feel comfortable taking him at that. If I'm getting him as like my third or my fourth receiver drafted, I, I'm okay with that, but I feel more exposed to risk. If he's my, somehow my number one guy, if I went hero tight end and back that up with like a couple of running backs or went RB RB tight end or something like that, I don't want him on my team as my first wide receiver drafted. Next, I, I actually I flipped it. This this guy actually I'm gonna fix it on the screen. This guy is actually the wait a minute. Oh yeah, I didn't put that's what threw me off. I didn't put Debo Samuel up. So I'm sorry, Debo Samuel is actually going to be our 24th ranked receiver. Our 23rd ranked receiver is actually Christian Kirk. I apologize okay. about that. That's that's what I was surprised about when I said I was surprised. I was like, man, Christian Kirk, over, Kirk. Or Debo over Kirk is crazy. Like that Jags offense is gonna pass the ball a ton this year. I mean, I'm expecting progressions for a lot of these guys. Kirk, obviously Ridley coming back is going to help immensely. Evan Ingram was able to bounce onto the scene. I think ETN's going to be built up as more of a pass catcher this year now that they've brought in Tank Bigsby to maybe be a little bit more of a, a physical runner for them. So I'm all in on the Jags offense. I love all of their ADPs. I'm actually getting Kirk well after Calvin Ridley. And while I love Calvin Ridley, shout out D-Gen Nation, but at the it's just tough for me to bet on him coming back and being the best receiver on the offense. If I can get Ridley at value, great, but I am already getting Christian Kirk at value because of the market's overreaction to evaluate Calvin Ridley ahead of Christian Kirk. This is an absolute steal at this value. 
Yeah, I, I we're, we're in agreement there. I, I don't trust Calvin Ridley coming back from two years off. Um, he did have that breakout season when Matt Ryan was going crazy and Julio Jones missed significant time. He was mm-hmm. very good then, but has not put together a consistent fantasy, has not put together a top 15 wide receiver season. Besides that, he's entering, he's, how old is Cops 28 years old? Is, Calvin? 20, yeah, Calvin. he's older. I'll tell you in a second. Uh, older prospect and still in the final year of his rookie deal though. Yeah. I just don't try. You have to be so dialed in, in the NFL and it's so hard to come back when you're two years off. You have to be so good. And I just Mm -hmm. don't know if he's that elite, elite talent. Mm -hmm. So I have Christian Kirk and actually Zay Jones is making more money. I believe than Calvin Ridley is this season. So is is Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk has a, has a big payroll. Yeah, Christian Kirk has a big contract. I believe Zay Jones is even making more money than Calvin Ridley this season. I know they got him on a discount. But still, you know, Zay Jones, I, I, I even think Zay Jones could end up being the wide receiver too in this offense. I, I it's not, I'm not, I'm not putting that in stone. I, I just have that still in my range of outcomes. I think the Zay Jones and Evan Ingram kind of have that same boomer bust, you know, likelihood week in and week out in this offense. Cause I still feel like Calvin Ridley is going to get used. They didn't trade for him for nothing. It's just difficult for me. Like you had said, a receiver that's another two years older than their top guy in Christian Kirk. To draft him at his ADP right now, the market has Ridley going at it's ahead of these guys at wide receiver nineteen, and they have Kirk at twenty eight. That's that's an overreaction to from Calvin Ridley's previous production, in my opinion. Don't get it. With that, my body is about to collapse. Everybody, so uh, don't do it. We're let's wrap it up here with for the top twenty four wide receivers. They are up on the board there. Feel free to ask us on Twitter any questions. Justin, what are you getting up to with Andrew this week? Oh, well, we're getting back to it. We just had one episode this week. So, you know, we'll be talking some more best ball and redraft content for sure. Uh, but I'm dropping 50 picks in 50 days. Uh, today was day 46, and I went after Adam Thielen over 575 receiving yards. He's hit that number in six out of his last seven seasons and every season that he's played and started in at least 10 games. Uh, but he's still going to be the best receiver on the Carolina Panthers, most likely. I don't see DJ Chark, you know, Terrace Marshall, Jonathan Mingo, LaVisca Chanel as like significant competition. Team will pass the ball less, but dude's only got to play in like 11 games this season to hit that number. Absolutely love that opportunity. Um, you can go watch that YouTube short where I say almost exactly the same things I just said now. I had a lot of practice for that little bit I just did there. Uh, but yeah, dropping 50 picks in 50 days. Tomorrow will be day 45. I do not have a confirmed player yet. So if anyone wants to throw any suggestions at me, hit me up on Twitter at SGPNJB. Oh, my God. See, Jamie, this is what Jamie does. He listened to the whole 25 hours of the mental health pod. I work for Face Off Network. I was actually supposed to be on there. I tried uh, yesterday morning from the hotel I was at. I tried to log in, and it just the Wi-Fi was not happening. But that's the kind of stuff that he does. Don't 25 lie. Hours. You, you, were, you were inebriated, and they kicked you off. Don't lie. <laughs> Emerson's actually, too far, to, I, too far I, in the bag. You I was can't sitting get in air. the hotel at 7 a.m., very tired, trying to get the office to work. But yeah, Jamie, of course, he listened to 25 hours of it. We need to get you on the pod. Some, you know, maybe, maybe even just a little like five minute guest, uh, celebrity guest shot, Jamie. That's what we need to get you on for. But J- Jamie said that's a great top 24. It's uh, it's absolutely fantastic. It's almost my absolute complete top 24 list outside Chad of that. Chad GPT Waddle screwed me. <laughs> Chad GPT, <laughs> that, that was not our consensus. That was not our would, consensus top 24. That was way skewed toward your top 24. I, guess so. I don't know why. I guess so. But I went 12 for 12 to start. That's for sure. That that was a clean 12 for 12 to start. 
I, I'll, I'll need to do that by hand again next time, apparently. But whatever that, you need to help like yourself said, out. <laughs> I'm about to die. I'm literally. Don't do it. I, I don't know if I'll be. I, I don't know if I'll be alive tomorrow. That's that's how my body feels right now. But I'm going to go drink some Pedialyte and pass out. Everyone, have a wonderful rest of your. What is it? Monday? Sunday? I don't. I don't even know. Sunday. Sunday. That's what day it is. Yeah. All right. You work tomorrow. I do have to work tomorrow night, oh, but luckily man. I'm off tomorrow morning. Thank goodness. No oh, more okay. brunch yeah. for me tomorrow. I'll Go be serving for 12 dinner. hours, buddy. <laughs> it's still early where you're at. What time is it? Like six thirty? Seven thirty. Oh, you're 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 in great shape, buddy. It's nine thirty here on the East Coast. You're fine. I'm. Uh, I don't feel fine, but with that, we'll take off. Everybody, have a great rest of your Sunday. Thank you so much. Night, guys. Take care.